0: All right, hold on, hold on. I know you were here to see the amazing roofing roundtable with the juggernauts of the industry with Jason and Matthew and Reggie and Michael, and we're going to get to that in just one second. But first, I do have to thank the company that made this roofing round table possible. I'm talking about Jason's partner, Eustace Roofing's partner, CertainTeed. Listen, they are making the products that are designed for the future number of options that are given to contractors and homeowners so you can get the right product on their home jason and the Eustace roofing team are so appreciative of what certainty has been able to offer their customers make sure you visit them certainty.com and now everybody excited to bring you the roofing round table
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the roofers round ish table uh, it's like a, it's a kind of like a round table. It's half a round table. Anyhow, um, no less significant than a full round table. We've got a, a star-studded lineup, and then myself. Here, Mike Stearns with Ascend Digital Agency. To my left, we've got Jason Reisman with Eustace Roofing. Yep. We've got Matthew Mulholland. Mm. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. And that's with one T. And then we save the best for last, Reggie Brock.
2: He has to be determined. <laughs> uh, Reggie was a pleasant surprise this morning. Mm. We didn't know he was coming. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't really know till Friday and then
3: <clears throat> well, I, the- it's like close to my house, so this mm. was perfect. And I've heard about this company and I wanted to be able to get in here and see for myself <laughs> if what I was hearing was exaggerated
2: and believe me it's not. I'm it's in. it's What's actually underplayed. <laughs> yeah. well underplayed it was yeah. impressive hey it, yeah. if you watch me about anything you know that I don't lie on camera this is probably my favorite roofing company right now mm. if you worked with me as a roofing company I'm sorry this guy's better than you oh <laughs>
4: <laughs> I figure that today like when they say you know if you want to be a good leader you hire ped- or people better than you and I feel like when I'm sitting at this table I'm surrounding myself with people better than me so it's kind of cool to have you guys on
5: mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, well, dude, I am. In, I feel incredibly fortunate to have been here. Um, where are we exactly?
4: Um, we're in central Florida. They call it Tavares area. It's a Lake County, Florida. There's a ton of lakes here. It's a beautiful place to live. Everybody's got to love Florida. Yeah,
1: mm, yeah it's nice. Uh, I'm staying in Orlando, like city. So it was like 40 months, 45 months. Nice little jaunt over here. What was your favorite part about having folks here today at your office and giving a tour and whatnot?
4: I, I love that we had roofers here. Like if you know me by now, you know that that's what I am. Um, and then I'm in this marketing arena now, but I'm really at heart, I'm a roofer. And so when I see other roofers there that wanna learn and wanna see you know, a way to make their business different or better and you can tell they're listening and you're gonna send them home with some skills to make people better around them, have a better customer experience, and maybe shave some years off of their success story because we gave them some information they can take home and really go to work.
2: Yeah, you definitely did that. Yeah, You also blew their minds. <laughs> and and they were looking at you like, oh, my God, how could we do this? Mm. And then you, you hit them with even more information that, dude, I, I'm blown away. Ready? Have you ever? No. I I mean, I've been doing this just 13 years, and
3: I've literally never seen anything as buttoned down and as people-centric as this organization is. And I'm talking about people, not just customers but employees. I mean, it's like a family, and um, and that's just hard to find because most people are built to take care of themselves and their self only. And so – I don't find that here, and I have a pretty good uh, sense of core, right? And um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I really am. I'm kind of, um, it's hard to describe, really. And so, if um, it's, it's just as genuine and as authentic as you could ever ask for. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, you can't replicate this
4: overnight, right? That's I right. mean, it's taken y'all how many years to do this? You know, it, it's a the company itself is. Uh, around 65 years old however um, when I came in it was about 12 years ago now and I would say it took a lot you know the 10 years it took of grinding Mm. just grind 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 when I took over there was eight employees uh, and now we're up to 150 but I had to reinvent myself like I had to learn a lot Mm. Um, and you know I really learned from my employees you know when you talk about family and culture let me tell you something When you have Spanish employees, they have a lot of Spanish, we have a different variety, but they're really about family. And when you would see them come off the roof and they all sit together and one will bring this meal, this meal, and they all come together and eat together. And then, you know, they could have an argument, but by the end of the day, they're eating together. Like I learned family Mm. uh, from a lot of these employees. They're the ones that really taught me at the end. How how do you think that that's affected your customers? Well, they become part of the family, too. Whether they know it or not, they're part of the family. So um, I think you can see that, you know, one of our best compliments is, hey, we got to see these guys. They were laughing and just having a good time. And that's not easy to do when you're putting a roof on, you know, the smiles and stuff like that. Um, You know, our customers are able to connect with the family, too, because we show a lot of footage of us outside doing things. Um, you know, going on fishing trips, going to the go kart track, renting it out for the weekend, playing, you know, renting a bowling alley out. Um, and so we're able to bring that to our customer and show them what they're really investing in.
1: I'm going to piggyback off both of what both these gentlemen said as far as um, the button downedness. Is that a word? It is now. <laughs> no? This
2: is a roofing podcast. If, so. if everybody understood what your meaning was, then it's a word. Yeah.
1: <laughs> nice save. Because I was about to come after you. So, yeah, I've worked with hundreds, if not over a thousand (laughs) roofing companies in the last eight years. And I got to tell you, from A to Z, the processes that you have um, and the culture that it seems that you've built is second to none. So I commend you for that. That's amazing. Was it always that way?
4: No. I mean, what was always the same is the install. And we talk about that all the time. Like, that's been our biggest deal is making sure we leave that homeowner better than we found them leave with a good roof that's been the focus all along Um, and then we figured out how do we do that better well once we started looking into the install and how do we show people the install um, me you know I fell in love with the employees and seeing what they do and what they go through to put a roof on and I tell people this all the time I don't think LeBron James can sit up on that roof for eight hours a day and work like those guys do and so what happened is I got to look at them as what they really are with his athletes Mm -hmm. and the respect that i gained from them and seeing it day and day and then me actually working on the roof like there's many a times when in those 10 years if i came to the job site and they're still working and it's late i'm going to clean the ground i'm going to help with the shingles like they love to see that and it's a respect and i learned a lot from them and then really just dived into how special these people are uh, and and how people should look at them differently and me and patrick talked about it a lot that you know people call them laborers and these guys aren't laborers. I mean, they're not. They're not anything close to a laborer. These guys are athletes, man. These guys are incredible. And so I fell in love with that and then started advertising that and showing, you know, the city I live in how special these guys are and what they do, and it just grew. You know, as I was hearing
3: your story today, it, it, it appeared, you know, it was an easy sight to see that the first place of importance to you is your people and the relationships that are, 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 that are formed there um how what made you start thinking and is it just the kind of the way you are is it the way you've built your business or i
4: mean why why is that so important to you well i've had a lot of uh, life experiences along the way that taught me that Um, there's a couple things that i can tell you when i was working in nascar um, i went to work for this particular team and the guy in the fab shop didn't really like me and so um, he didn't treat me very well and i lost the talent that i had like i couldn't perform the same way that i did before i worked there and i found that uh, by doing that, you're not going to have a good quality product. So, like, if I can encourage my guys and I can treat them differently than I was taught uh, with that one individual, you know, I learned my lesson. I learned, like, I worked for really good people and I worked for really bad people. And so that life experience really helped me develop what I wanted to implement and what I wanted my people to experience. Mm. You know, another thing, too, is I worked for two different crew chiefs, and they were both different they were both successful in their own way. But one, you know, he might not have been as smart as the other one, but he was a better people person. And so they ran better because he acquired better people. So he acquired a better team. The guy that was super smart, they didn't always run as good because he wasn't a people person. And so he didn't have the best team. And so I learned, like, throughout the years, like, I watched these guys and how they worked. The one guy, if he would just look at me bad, I'd be all upset, you know, and then the other guy would just scream at you, you know. And so I, I learned these life lessons along the way. And they weren't easy then, and I didn't realize what I was going to use those for until today. Hmm.
1: Reggie, you've worked with a lot of roofing companies over the last 13 (laughs) years. Where do you feel like most people kind of drop the ball in their processes or building that culture?
3: So I think there's a lot of emphasis now in our industry on process, and I think it's really, really important. And I've heard you talk about that. And um, I don't think that you can run a successful business long term without a great process in multiple facets of your business because – if you don't have the right processes, eventually the train's gonna run off the track somewhere. And so I think that's important. But I think what's really important and what's happening now are people, owners in particular, starting to focus on really trying to build out their people even at a personal level. You know, what, what are we doing really to develop your greatest asset, which is your people. Processes are great, but without people, boy, it's really, really tough to run a successful business. And so, it seems like y'all have done a great job at just developing your talent, right? I mean, it's not just bringing people in. Just I heard you mention earlier, too, like, you know, they're good people. They just were in the wrong seat. They weren't doing the right job. And what notoriously we do is we take those people that we, we hire for a certain role, they fail in it, and we just run them off. Right. And so I think y'all have spent an inordinate amount of time and resource and trying to make for sure, number one, that you hire right up front. And it may not be the one position, but you eventually find the right place where their skill set works. And I think that's really important right now. People, good people can be in bad roles and fail. Mm. But what you need is good people in the right role for them to find success that carries on what you're trying to accomplish as a company. And I think you have done that real well.
4: Yeah, we, you know, man, you said it the right way there, like that was a lot right there. But, you know, like we, we don't, you know, if someone's not performing right in a position, we move them, and I learned that in racing. There was a team there, at, I want to call them Hendrick Motorsports, they would move people around so they found what fit them the best, and you're exactly right. I mean, we, would, we move somebody continuously till we find where they work the best, and when you hit that nail on the head, mm. when they hit that spot, yeah. man, it's a better life for them, it's better for you, it's better for the customer. Yeah. And your people are watching that, like they're watching you move that person around. That might not have succeeded in that one spot, but you'll find somewhere better for them. Unless they're just not a fit. Sometimes there's not a fit. I mean, it's just the way it is. But um, I'll give everybody as many chances as I can to we find that spot as much as possible.
2: It probably saves you a lot of time. Mm. You know, a lot of less hiring and, and letting go of people. That that takes a lot of effort.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if no. you find
2: someone to put it in the right spot, even if that's one hire you've made you've moved them a few times Mm -hmm. because you have to train them in different positions
3: but the transitional stuff where we sit in the industry all the time there's in and out people just constantly the door swinging in and out and you know there just doesn't seem to be much interest from people it's like well it's just a part of the business and the fact of the matter is you've created something different to where people become more than just filling a slot I mean they're a part of the group they're a part of the family you're putting them in the right spot how has that affected your culture I mean like i know a lot of guys that are in good companies but they're scared to death because if they don't do a certain amount of whatever they're supposed to they're looking for another job or whatever how do y'all really button down that level of of commitment to where people can feel it and they're committed to it and they're gonna i mean it has to drive loyalty
4: yeah i mean i I believe when first you know you create a brand that they're proud of you know like that's good You look in the NBA, they wear a jersey number, they got their name on it, like they're representing something. That's a key to success right there. There's a reason that they do that. If you go out there in a blank jersey, you're probably not gonna play as hard, right? Like if you're a part of a team, you're gonna wanna play, you're gonna wanna represent it. But I think at the end of the day, is creating a path. Like, if you can create a path, that's going to do everything for you as mm-hmm. far as, hey, if you work hard, this is where you can go. And we keep doing that. as like we talked earlier. We even have a guy who worked on the roof that he works in the office now. And, like, if you create that path, that's what's telling them guys, hey, we respect you. We'll find a place that works best for you. If you work hard, there's opportunity.
2: I, I think along those lines, one of the most impressive things that I've seen today, and it's, it's still kind of blowing my mind. I've been toying mm-hmm. with this idea all since you've said it, but you don't have any non-competes in your contract. You don't, and you don't have any employees that are leaving to start their own roofing company. Yeah. And that is, that's crazy. Yeah. I love that because that it means that you trust someone. The, the, the benefit of, of you being the company that's hiring them, mm-hmm. if you had a non-compete, you had this contract, it, the employee is risking everything to come work for you. They can't leave and go do that work somewhere else. So they're they're risking their career on this one company. You're sharing the risk this way. And so you're putting trust in them immediately. I think that's that's profound.
4: Yeah, I think it's up to me to, to, to have the risk altogether. And that's why we have W-2 employees instead of 1099. I think that we need to accrue the risk. That's part of being a company, and we're a team. We're going to handle this together. But, like, I think I'm the one that should have the risk. I mean, these guys are up on a steep, you know, roof. They're in danger every day. Why would we give them more risk? They've got enough risk as it is. This is a dangerous profession to be in. Hmm.
1: So something that grabbed my attention when when we were doing the tour was you mentioned how you om- you have like accelerators for your, for your team, right, when they're doing installs and you have pictures and you have checklists and you have a quality rating system and that directly impacts their pay to a certain degree, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's amazing and it's like you think about it, I think about it and it's like you've got this carrot and the stick and some people, you know, beat with the stick to try to get a result and some people dangle the carrot and that's an example of dangling the carrot and then Matt had asked a question as far as like, do you ever charge back your, your team for certain things? And you're like, it's not me, right? So you never really take that stick approach. I think that's really important from like a culture building perspective to have a leader that will incentivize you, will coach you in the event that you're falling short on something to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. Do you get that feedback from your employees at all?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like my employees are more honest, more forthcoming with me on things because we treat them that way. Like we talked about it earlier i want to be the first one to call the customer if something got broke or something went wrong but if i'm not creating that environment for them to share that information then i'm not doing my job right um, so it was more of a self-reflection how do i reflect on myself to become better to help these guys become better i bet you think you spend very little time worrying about how to worrying about people leaving
3: right mm-hmm. and so I-, I think if you build your processes and your you know your meetings and your communication around look if somebody leaves there has to be a greater reason than i don't like working here and i mean because i'm sitting here going like my god if if i lived around here (laughs) who wouldn't want to come to work here i'm just saying and then uh, there are situations where people want to go out start their own roofing company and it seems like to me you would be the one that would be like blessing them and kind of like encouraging them and you know they would have to Bite off a huge capital cost to replicate you, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I think that that speaks volumes to people. It's like, look, he's not like to Matt's point. You're not trying to handcuff me to keep me here. Why would I want to leave? And so, if there is path and progression as an opportunity inside of a company with no risk, why wouldn't you want to do that? And so, I think that's what guys think sometimes when they just constantly shift is. The risk is worth the leave, right? So I'm not—I don't like doing what I'm doing with the people I'm doing with. I'll assume some risk and I go trap myself. This scenario is where I'm assuming a risk. You go out and do what you do very, very well, right? I'm gonna pay you very, very well for it, and so we're gonna build that culture. And if somebody leaves, I'm gonna let them go because me keeping them doesn't serve anybody.
4: Yeah, and one of the craziest <laughs> things about it is if somebody does leave, you know, mm-hmm. it's very rare, but if it does happen and they move or something like that. You wouldn't imagine the the people that jump in and take over and help out and mm-hmm. take that spot. Like I, I'm always blown away yeah. that people that jump up and like take responsibility and like, hey, I can do this. You know, like I've got a team behind me. I think a lot of roofing contractors don't have that. Like you know, they they just don't have that team behind them. And it's super nice to wake up in the morning, and come to work, and know that you got a team. Um, it's a really really big deal to me that that's going to back me up. Yeah.
1: We had a very interesting conversation, Reggie, a couple weeks back. Um, When I first met you, by the way, which was, uh, I took a lot away from that conversation. We talked for like 15 minutes, and it hasn't been published yet, so you guys will see it soon. Just go follow me on YouTube, Send Digital Agency, a little shameless plug there, nothing wrong with that, right? But the reason I bring this up is... Jason, you seem rather enlightened because we were talking about the value of personal development and as it relates to your opportunity to perform and further your career, right? And you made a very good case as far as like what impact that personal development will make in your life and your profession. So you seem rather enlightened um, and aware from a personal development standpoint as we sit here and have these conversations. Is it just life experience or are there other things that you've done – whether it be courses whether it be mentorships or or any external knowledge that's been imparted upon you in order to get to the point where you're at
4: yeah i mean i've had a lot of life experiences obviously but i've surrounded myself with great people um but at the end like i noticed that i gotta feed myself sometimes too like i can't my team can't depend on me if i'm not raising the level for Mm -hmm. myself and so a lot of times like you know, you, I'll go to conferences and try to pull something out of there to help me become better or bring my team so that they can become better. Um, you know, I think it was, um, a conference recently where I was watching the guy without legs and I was like, man, that's just so inspiring that he's still out there killing it. And like, I came back here, just charged up and ready to go. You know, like my soul was fed and I was ready. And, uh, you know, if I brought people with me, they felt the same way. And so, I think as a leader, you gotta really keep working on developing yourself. You have never made it, you have to keep mm-hmm. going. And uh, I think that's been a big deal to me is to keep continuing and just by sitting here and just by even listening to you guys, like I'm, I'm already you know, absorbing as much as possible.
3: Mm-hmm. So Matt, you could probably speak to this as well, but there is, to me, I'm convinced that there's a symbiotic relationship between our personal growth and our professional advancement. Mm-hmm. If we cease to grow personally, we're going to have a sitting on our ability to perform professionally. And that's what people try to separate their lives. And it's really hard to do. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's almost impossible if not possible because you impossible because you reach us. If you've just stymied yourself in personal growth, which you're allowing people to have here, meaning you're giving them opportunities to grow they're going to have limits in their ability to professionally advance and create more for themselves and for the company. And so I think it's critical. That's what I heard, Matt, and I mean, I think you would agree with it. I mean, guys are just given opportunities here to expand and to grow and to look at other options, and it keeps them stimulated. If I lose personal personal growth as a priority in my life, boy, it's going to be real
2: hard to professionally develop. Yeah. It, I mean, it's th- what you've done for this company is is definitely uh, unique uh, among roofers um, but there's there's different ways to grow as an individual I, I think f- for the audience's sake you know when someone hears that you know you need to grow professionally they're all thinking they need to go out and get some self-help books and read yeah. self-help books constantly hey you're watching a video right now that is actually helping you grow right mm. now you're doing it right now There's different ways that you can grow in any industry. Uh, Having conversations like this, taking a tour with a company that clearly has their shit together Mm -hmm. is a big deal. I've learned a ton today. I learned from all the new people that are around me too because they all have a different perspective. I think the coolest thing about personal growth is that it drives innovation. The more Mm -hmm. I learn about things that I could do better, the more I realize that there's different opportunities that I could be jumping on as well. Um, I, I don't want to leave here today while talking about how much of a gearhead you are. Clearly, you like equipment. Oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's, it, you know, equipment can uh, increase the lives of a lot of people make their jobs easier. I mean, at the end of the day, we're sitting here talking about making, um, you know, personal development and um, retaining people. you got to remember, we're this is one of the toughest jobs people do. Like, how do you retain people to do this job? This is not an easy job. So, um, you got to create an environment where they're not going to want to leave because mm-hmm. it doesn't get any harder than roofing to me. I mean, I'm sure there's something out there. I mean, what is this, a crab fisherman? I mean, that's tough. But you know, <laughs> I really feel like what these guys go through is very difficult. So it's a, uh, it's really important to want them to come here. And uh, man, I am a gearhead. Um, I appreciate what equipment does. And, and like I said with the equiptor, I watched that piece of equipment transformed my business. And what I think people forget if because they're not focused on people. The first thing that I noticed is everybody wanted to work for me. If you're thinking about how many more squares and how many more roofs that I can do, you might be missing the actual benefit of it, which is it brought me more people. Yeah, made their life easier. They were able to go home, play with their kids, have a little bit more time on their hands or not be killed as much as being on the roof because the, the Equipter made it a whole lot easier. And then we multiplied that and just kept multiplying it because it also brought us customers too because they were so impressed with the equipment. And I just love um, the ability for equipment to make your life easier.
2: That Equipter is cool. Do you sell those things? <laughs> no. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> Equipter does. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just it's so thankful. <laughs>
4: yeah, I think I'm just so thankful for... The 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 way that my life has changed, and the people that work for me, is life has changed because of a piece of equipment. I mean, right. it's made that big of a deal, and it is American made. Also, <laughs> <laughs>
2: as you drive that thing around the entire uh, yard, mm-hmm. um, as you're as you're taking the roof off and putting all the material in there, mm-hmm. um, uh, a, a product idea you should attach a magnet roller to the thing mm-hmm. so it's pulling it behind it the whole time. Yeah, or no, does it do it, that already? No, no, not yet, but.
4: Uh, <laughs> It does a lot. That's one of the things that we actually thought of. Um, we, we One of the things about equipment, too, is you can take it a piece of equipment and get so much more out of it if you really look at Like for us, we got really organized and used the Equipter with that organization, and then we increased, like, hey, when you're done at the job at 2 o'clock, let's move to the next one. So with that together, we were able to produce way more, bring better people. I mean, it's just – amazing what it's done for my life and the people that work for me i just can't say enough about it and then and we start investing in other pieces of equipment you know like we do the sprinter vans because it looks pretty professional Um, you're able to put more people in the van than you would a truck your equipment doesn't get wet every day and it is a huge billboard going down the road you can't miss it
2: yeah and then you got that tire shop right here on site (laughs) which is really cool i've never seen that before i mean
4: think about that what roofers and nails i mean we take twenty thousand nails off a roof the first thing we're going to need is tires yeah
2: <laughs> i mean i put kevlar kevlar tires on my van for that very reason and somehow i haven't had another nail since so i don't mm. even know if it's actually going to work
4: you, did you park in the parking lot today in the back mm-hmm. i did <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> i'll find out i'll be back to your tire shop <laughs>
1: that was one prevailing theme from start to finish through that entire tour and we were there what an hour and 45 minutes Everything is so damn efficient. Everything is built around efficiency mm-hmm. between the system, the processes, the people, the way that they're working together. What was the name of? Uh, was it? Om- what was your uh, Omar?
4: Omar. He's a repair tech. Yeah.
1: The way he's facilitating the communication with the crew is to make sure that they understand, and he's been there before, so that communication is seamless. They understand. You know what's going on in the office. Like the the spotlight on efficiency and what that. I can only imagine has done for your business is outrageous even with the equipment you're like they're done at 2 o'clock they're not going home early they go to the other job start to get it started knock out whatever percentage of the job that they can now we can do more houses help more homeowners
4: yeah so if you're, you're doing more houses you're meeting new homeowners you're also in the end you're probably meeting new employees like it's a process like we built everything around the install so that that's our sales weapon that's our sales tool is the install is what's selling roofs and what can be more important to a homeowner than the actual install of the job that's what they're looking for and everybody promises that but who's actually delivering it well we can show you we're doing videos of it we're showing you what do you think
2: your role is individually
4: man i think my number one role is a mentor to be honest with you to to mentor everybody that works for me to help them achieve their goals that's my number one job i feel like every day is to to do that i mean i i know every employee it works for me i mean in the mornings it can be a little scary when you see that many people but that's my job that's what i'm here to do i'm here to make them successful if i can make them successful the customer is going to feel like they were successful when we did their job everybody feels better i mean i'm a professional mentor
3: (laughs) Mm. well from my perspective and i'll shut up um this was very inspirational Right, I mean, it's to think that someone is putting this much resource, time, energy, and effort to making sure that this is a place people wanna be and stay. I mean, it's just admirable. And so I'm grateful for the opportunity I had today. The second thing is, I've been in the business just 13 years and I've never seen more willingness of people to help one another. I mean, you open your doors and have other roofers come in here. You know, 13 years ago when I started, people were like, Everything they touched was a secret sauce to them. Don't want anybody to know about it. If I'm having success, and for some reason, if you learn about my success, your learning is going to cause a deficit in my business. And <clears throat> I'm grateful our industry is evolving a little bit, right, to where we're like, let's help each other. So I think it tells a lot about your culture and you as a leader being able to open your doors to people and go like, dude, there's nothing secret here. You know, it. it, it there's cost to it. There's a lot of that goes on to it that we didn't just wake up and it would be like this, but I think you being open and opening your doors to people is a great place for people to learn and go like, hey, man, this is the kind of attitude I want to have not So eventually we've stopped feeling like competitors, and we start feeling like co-laborers. Can we work together to raise the um, industry that we all work in for its betterment? You've done a great job with that.
4: Yeah, and you never know where your next employee is going to come from, neither. <laughs> I mean, you know, I do tell uh, my competitor, I'm always, that's always a the theme, right? But I, I always tell my competitor this because our focus is to save homeowners from bad roofers and to, to take care of the, the roofers to put the roof on like nobody else, like increase their life also. But at the end of the day, I always tell people, if you want to hurt my business, go out and do a really good job install really good roofs and you will make an impact on my business right that's the way to do it and i'm okay with that right
3: that's good damn
1: (laughs) (laughs) how how long have you been creating video for
4: um i've been creating videos for probably the last five or six years somewhere in that range maybe a little bit longer um i remember watching adam sand when i was younger doing, I don't know if you guys have met Adam, he's a really cool dude, and I remember watching him do, like, uh, in, like videos of what's wrong with roofs, and how to install flashings, and I remember just watching that, going, I want to do that, and uh, I also started to grow at this amazing pace, and I knew that I needed to do that for the amount of people that was working for me also, and I needed to go out on that ledge, and do that, and quit worrying about what my competitors say about me, you know, like, mm-hmm. if they there's 20 different ways to install a piece of flashing and that's why a lot of guys don't get up there and do a video on it because they're worried about their competitor, but that's not their customer. You know, like who you're looking to gain, it's a customer, not a competitor. Right. Unless you want them as an employee. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How how much of an impact would you say creating that video has had on your business and in what ways?
4: Well, I mean, what specific video, what do you mean?
1: Um, Any of the videos, any and all of them. (laughs)
4: Well, like I said, the number one thing is like you just become so involved in the process and you appreciate the people so much. Um, You know, that's the impact to me. Um, You know, I take it I don't take it lightly that people see me as an expert. You know, I like that. I like to be able to solve people's problems or. Give them awareness, so if they're getting a roof installed, it may not even be by me. It could be by somebody else. Here's the things to look for. Like, if I can save somebody for the headache. We see it all the time in roofing. Like, people don't take care of their warranty calls, their issues, and I want to save a homeowner from having to go through that. Like, how can I get that information to them? And what's funny about it is at the same time, it's actually drawing people to work for you.
2: There's, there's something that you uh, you mentioned to us earlier um, on our tour that I think that a lot of roofers should probably hear. Um, You guys stay within your coverage area Mm -hmm. and you're pretty strict about it. And that's important. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so consistency is a big thing, um, but you know, a lot of these roofers are traveling three to four hours or two hours one day, and most of them are making the same pay, and it's just it's hard on those guys, man. I mean, you're going up there. I mean, think about, you know, like you're up on the roof all day, and then you got to jump in your truck and drive another two hours, or if you forget something. Um, you know, like it's very, very difficult for the employee. And so we figured, how do we find better people? Well, if we can stay within our coverage area, so we work 50-mile radius, Um, How do we do, like, mass dominate this area? Like, there's enough room here for a large roofing company to dominate and save the people of my neighborhood, the people that I care about right here. But the consistency for the employees, not having to do those drives, it brought us better people that live around here. We also gained people from different trades that came and worked for us. I mean, people want to go home to their family. Like, they don't want to put all this travel time in because it costs them money. And they want to be home with their family, and so we really work a 50 mile radius and we found that to be super successful with that. Um, and you know, it's not always the end goal. Of how much money can we produce? Like it's really about how can we increase the lives of the people that work for us? And we found that working within 50 miles does that.
2: Yeah. Even if there isn't storms, you don't need to chase anything. I, I, public adjusters need to hear that too. It's, <laughs> that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. We don't all have to be nationwide public adjusters.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Matt. I hope they get the hands. I I hope they they get the hands, (laughs) too. (laughs) Did you get the hands?
1: (laughs) Hands
4: (laughs) (laughs) So what's next for Eustace? Um, So we're growing. We're still growing. Um, You know, right now I'm focused on we started another – facility in what we call the villages here it's a retirement community and when we say what's next i'm looking at people that work for me that deserve more opportunity and we we talked about that earlier like these guys are exceptional i have some exceptional people so i got to create an opportunity so we're opening up another branch that's i mean it's 45 minutes from here it's not too far but an opportunity for that person to grow Because they're ready for that next step and I need to be able to provide that for them so that's our next step Um, we have some other stuff that we're working on um, but right now that's my step is to make sure that I take care of those talented people give them an opportunity at another level
0: all right we're gonna be right back to that podcast this roofing roundtable an immense amount of information has already been given you know I mentioned this company in the beginning of this episode but it's worth mentioning again, um, Jason and the entire uses Roofing team, just 18 months ago, were roofer of the year from Roofing Insights. They have absolutely dominated their area and a large part of that has to do with CERNT. Um, they've been using Certainteed products and that has given their customers an immense amount of options and made them happier customers. Um, These are products that are built for homeowners across the country. They have an amazing amount of options so that as a contractor, you can provide your customers with exactly what they want. Um, I just want to step up here and say this show supports them. Jason over at USIS Roofing wants to extend his support for certainty and thank them again for making this roundtable of titans of the industry absolutely possible. And now, everybody, without further ado, let's get back to that roundtable. That's a really good answer. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what's next for Matt Mulholland what am I
2: doing next yeah what are you doing next I'm gonna get his number <laughs> yeah. yeah same <laughs> um, you know I'm, I'm uh, for, for the audience's sake I, I run a YouTube channel called listen to this bowl we'll talk about BS in the insurance world um, there's educational platform built into that uh, we do consulting work and expert work and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we are building out a new online school, go at your own pace type stuff. We're bringing a lot of people in that hasn't actually really been announced yet. Um, but we're doing some in-person courses. We've got one coming up for uh, a class called Avoiding the Engineer Denial. And this is a class, if you guys deal with insurance claims, This is a class that teaches you to identify what the denial is going to be before it happens, before you even file the claim. your initial inspection. This is what the denial is going to be. And so I know I need these additional documents, this additional information documented so that I can sidestep that denial from the beginning. Worst case scenario, get an engineer involved, and we teach you step-by-step a literal 10-step process of how to deal with that engineer in order to avoid a denial situation. So I know if – if you guys are doing roofing claims, the insurance companies are often uh, sending out engineers and really the, about the only reason they would need to do that is to have a reasonable basis for their denial. So you can anticipate that's what you're getting. So you're teaching people to be
1: proactive to- It's chess instead
2: of checks. Yeah, right?
1: that's good. What about
2: concurrent loss? How big of an issue is that in the, in concurrent the industry loss. Now? I love how you remembered that from our last talk. Well. <laughs> <laughs> So there's, there's, there's concurrent causation. God damn it. Yeah, you were so close. <laughs> well, it you know, try. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. you give it your best. So you got, I'm doing the hands again. It's the alliteration <laughs> I'll have to remember. I concurrent causation. <laughs> I, I did this to Steve Badger when I had him on my podcast. <laughs> and, and people were, were greeting me. as like, hey, Steve Badger. Hi. <laughs> anyway, so concurrent causation is two causes of loss acting concurrently in sequence two, you know, in roughly the same time to act upon the same loss. The damage is occurring because... Multiple causes of loss are happening to cause that, and in the insurance world, uh, we get denials for wear and tear and improper installation and shit like that all the time. That is one cause of loss. Well, if the wear and tear meant that the roof is now more susceptible to hail damage, then wear and tear and hail might be concurrently causing the loss. In most states, the hail is still covered. In every state, if you can't separate out the differences between the wear and tear damage and the hail damage, then the hail is still covered. So most of the time, they're only telling you what they consider the proximate cause or the primary cause. The cause of loss starts the chain of events off, which is wear and tear in their eyes. If it wasn't for the wear and tear, then the roof would not have been as susceptible to the hail damage, and it wouldn't have been caused, Mm. it wouldn't have been damaged by the hail. (laughs) So wear and tear is the (laughs) proximate cause. And so they'll say, it's not hail damage, it's wear and tear. And that is... Lying by omittance there's two causes locks that acting concurrently hail still happened hail still caused damage Hail is still covered So if you know what you're going to get in advance and there's definitely different um, Indicators of what kind of denial you're going to get based on claim facts We literally have a chart of claim facts involved this this and this and you're going to get this this or this denial And here's the shit that you need to document beforehand in order to avoid those three that you're going to get. That's playing chess. That's what that class is. And it's eight hours long, a very full eight hours. My students do complain that their brain hurts at the end. If I take it, will it make me better at chess? I suck at chess, bro. (laughs) I have no idea.
4: (laughs) (laughs) My brain hurts already. (laughs) So
1: with all the recent... um... Developments with regards to claims in Florida over the last couple of
2: years. Like how has that impacted? roofers Florida's a really interesting state. Mm -hmm. So I just moved to Florida a year and a half ago I didn't really follow it too much before then they say that whatever happens in Florida um, Will happen in all the other states? So you should pay attention I somewhat agree with that. I honestly think that they try more things in the low leverage states like Georgia because they can get away with it and then they try to pull it into Florida and Florida says no. Because is actually still a great state to work in for insurance claims. But there is a lot of changes. There's no more AOBs as of January 1st, no more assignment of benefits. Um, it doesn't matter if the insurance company agrees to it or not, it's just not allowed anymore. And that's gonna cause issues for emergency services, water mitigation claims, fire losses because the policyholder is no longer going to be able to rely on that uh, contractor to take the risk on. They're going to have the full risk the entire time, even though they have to get these contractors involved in stabilizing the property immediately. They don't know if there's coverage yet. That was one of the major benefits of AOBs. Now, they were used wrong, and definitely there were contractors that took advantage of the situation and caused some issues for all of us. And so AOBs are gone. Um, And there are ways to work without AOBs. And we just have to, you know, adapt, overcome. The whole industry has always been a constantly fluid, constantly adapting endeavor. Try to stay ahead of the curve as much as you can. Um, There were some laws that were passed in Florida that say that a roofing contractor cannot recommend the use of a public adjuster or can't tell someone that they possibly have an insurance claim. That has been determined not to be enforceable because it is not constitutional. So even though it's still in the law, it doesn't matter. Not enforceable. Um, What else has changed? The the attorney's fees issue is probably the biggest issue in Florida now. The attorney, we don't know exactly when it's going to take effect. It might already be in effect for any suit that is being filed after January 1st, or it might take effect for every claim that is filed after January January 1st, or it might take effect for policies that are purchased after January 1st. But at some point, January 1st, stopped attorney's fees from being paid by the insurance company just because the insurance company pays the policyholder more in suit or even in a settlement um, pre-litigation settlement so now there has to be a breach of contract named by the judges first and then if there is a breach of contract that the judge agrees to then the judge can then say all right let's take a look at this from a bad faith perspective and if bad faith is awarded, then the attorney's fees can get paid. That is how most states work. Most states. And in most states, bad faith is almost never um, awarded to the policyholder. So you can bet that the attorney's fees are just not going to be paid anymore. For policyholders, that really sucks. Hmm. And so they will take advantage of the smaller value claims first. Because it's the smaller value claims that people with less money that really can't afford to pay the attorney and then still be able to have the work done with the money that they're going to get, those are the ones that will suffer first. So poor people are going to suffer some more, just like every other law, it seems like. Right? So, but there are ways and there are attorneys that know exactly what to do. Um, my co-host on my show, on the Listen to this Bowl live show, is Remington Huggins. He is an attorney that works both Florida and Georgia. Georgia, I would argue, is the worst state in the nation for insurance claims. The laws are the worst. They're just terrible. I'll fight you on this. They're the worst, <laughs> all right? And that's where most of my career was located. Um, and he's successful in Georgia as an attorney, and he's successful in Florida as an attorney, and it's different in both states. And an attorney that understands how it works in a state that I would call a low leverage state, and how they can still get paid and still be successful, even for the low-income people. Remington needs to be teaching classes to the attorneys in Florida that are so used to getting paid the attorney's fees. But I can tell you this, the attorneys in Florida often give a lot of money and endorsements and, and uh, sponsorships and stuff, and a lot of that frivolous money is probably going to disappear. So there will be less attorneys. The ones that aren't as good will probably leave. We'll actually boil down to a lot of really good attorneys probably in Florida, it might be a good thing. There are silver linings in all of this. Um, less lawsuits means that the public adjusters are gonna have to get better. That the contractors that are investigating these losses and, and talking to the insurance companies about what is actually damaged are gonna have to get better. You're gonna have to do a better job of documenting things. And if you don't, if you are relying on a technicality to win, like most PAs and contractors do in Florida, knowing that if the insurance company just doesn't respond within 15 business days, hand it off to the attorney, and now the attorney can win that because of that technicality. That's not going to happen anymore. So now you have to file real claims and stop filing the frivolous ones that have no damage. There are PA firms that are enormous, and contracting firms that do a lot of business in Florida that don't give a shit if you have damage or not. They file the claim anyway, and they're winning. And that's part of the problem. And so, it was a knee-jerk reaction bill, and it was done, you know, outside of normal legislative um, time frame. It was a special session. They literally put the bill together, handed it out, and then two days later voted on it. And the, and the bill was several hundred pages long. It's It's bullshit that they did that. So it was a knee-jerk reaction that went way too far against policyholders. But something has to be done.
5: yeah,
2: Because there is a lot of crap coming from our side. I
1: mean,
2: we touched on this on the tour, right? Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, there's a... I've seen a lot of really good roofing companies go out of business because these companies and their claims and, you know, making a really good guy. You know, like for me, if I walk a roof and there's no damage, I'm going to tell the homeowner the truth. There's no damage on this roof. Um, And then what we see is I come back to that house in two weeks and there's damage everywhere. and, And then the homeowner's mad at me. And I'm like, look, man, that damage wasn't there when I was there. Someone created that damage. And so the homeowner loses trust in the guy that's telling the truth. Yeah. And so we've seen that in the roofing industry. And then we've also seen the insurance on the same side of that, too, where they've actually caused um, some harm to the homeowner because, you know, you miss half the roof and they're not going to cover it. So it goes both ways. But the silver lining is I think you're going to see the, the better roofers rise to the top. I think you're going to get rid of these marketing companies that are pretending to be roofing companies that are looking for that advantage, taking advantage of it, selling free roofs is what they call them. They're going to go away. And I think what's going to be left is maybe the honest guys are going to be left. We'll see. I don't know. They always find a way back in, but um, it's a silver lining, yeah.
2: I mean, if there was a bunch of roofing companies that were like Eustace Roofing in Florida and that's all that was left, that's a freaking dream. Yeah. That that would be amazing. As a PA, I would want to work only with companies like yours. Right. It it would make my job easier.
4: Mm -hmm. But I think the, the, the silver lining, though, also is like, you know, me as a roofing company doing the right thing, I had to be better. I had to find a a better way to do business, to compete with these guys that were selling these free roofs that were causing damage. Like I had to go and create a better environment for my employees. And like, we see all those um, things that we saw today. Like I had to think outside the box. I had to become better. And it's been a good thing for me.
1: Yeah, you guys keep talking about Silver Linings. Mm-hmm. And uh, you ever see Silver Linings Playbook with it's Brad? I mean, that movie's fucking great. When he takes that Hemingway book and rip, whips it out the window and wakes up his parents screaming and yelling. God, it was so good. You guys like that movie? No? I don't uh,
5: remember not, that scene. Reggie!
1: So, we uh, how do for contractors that are running a business and feel, you gave me a very interesting stat. Why don't you stare that chat with me? Uh, stat with stare us. that chat with you.
3: Again.
1: <laughs> stare that. <laughs> ch- st- st- so much shit yeah. coming out of your mouth. <laughs> the, stati- the statistic in which people self-admittedly
3: underachieve. Yeah. What yeah. is that? So um, I think that many, many people, not just in roofing, but in our country today have just had the breath knocked out of them for some reason. And it's, something that's happened personally generally that affects them professionally the stat you're talking about was done by Inc. magazine and they said this that 40 excuse me 47% of every employee that walks into a business in America tomorrow are self admitted underachievers and so i'm sitting here at your place today going like if somebody fails professionally who's to blame how in the world could you look at this environment and say it's not plug and it's not plug and play? But it's like, give me the right people, we got the process in place. So why don't every, why does why doesn't everybody succeed? It was the question I was asked. Well, okay, we got a poor company that they come into work. Ink Magazine said this. No, no, no. It's not the companies. It's there's something going on in my life that I drag with me to work every day that affects my results. And when I thought about that, it's not that it takes pressure off of companies, but it should give us insight. And that insight is that people are out there, like I said earlier, who've had the breath knocked out of them, seem to be getting it knocked out of them every day, and then they come to work, and they're supposed to have this high level of performance, and it's just sometimes not feasible. It's just not possible with some people. And so my... My hope is that I'm going to be one of many that will start breathing life back into people and giving them the opportunity through good companies like this, what, to be able to gather themselves and the companies understand that there's more to them than just the production that they put out every day for the company they work for and create some opportunities for these folks like me who've had the mule kick in life and you're like, how do I get by this and not lose my job? How do I... How is it that i can take care of this thing in me that's hidden in most cases right what what is it that i can do that's going to help me gather myself personally so that i can produce better professionally and so you know what i'm going to spend the rest of my days so to speak in our industry doing is helping and assisting companies reach their folks at a level without crossing any lines but just giving these folks the opportunity through mentoring and i love that word you know just mentoring guys to that in such a way that it affects not only their professional life but their personal life as well, so that people can live holy again. You know, I mean, it's just like where they're able to get up and go to work without the weight of the world constantly on their shoulders and produce wins not just for them professionally, but personally as well. And so I think that statistic is telling today. I mean, we, we look and we see people that just don't, can't cut it at the work site and we go like, well, they just maybe not be talented. And the reality of it is they have all the talent in the world, but there's these unresolved issues in their life personally. They just keep dragging to the workspace with them. And so it's a dilemma. I mean, it just is. And so I wanna be able to go where I have opportunities and speak life into these people to have to take another chance and another run at working on some of these things that are holding you back in the workplace. And I said earlier, I'll say it again, if you're limiting your life personally, you're limited in your life personally, emotionally, or whatever way you want to look at it, it's going to affect the way you perform. It just is. And so if we can find ways to help people get regain breath, right? And regain through some of our mentoring programs and the way we're helping people. In other ways, just in you know our, our workplace, I think that you're going to see a rise in growth, and uh, you're going to see a rise in return on investment. And um, um, I'm hoping I'll be, I'm a part of that. That's
4: that's that's kind of it. Yeah, I really believe that. I I see that, in you know, in the construction industry, some of these guys have you know had some incredible life um, lessons and, and very difficult lives before they come to us. Yeah. And so we, we want to make it when they come to our place, this is the safe place for them. This is out of all the places that they've been or if even at their home or wherever they go, they've lived this pretty difficult life. But when they walk through those gates or when they pull through that fence, this is the safest place that they're going to be for the day. Can we provide that for them and then help them grow from what you said? I mean, I think that's amazing. I think we see that everywhere. Yeah. Like, but I mean, you have the social media and you have all those things that might be taken away from people instead of encouraging them also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think businesses need to create an environment that's a safe place, especially in construction. I mean, right. Some of those guys had a really and hard good life.
3: people. You've met them, great people. Just made mistakes. Yeah. Or ha- that have ha- great people, good people, that have had mistakes made on them that really affected their life. I mean, it's just it's 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 a big, huge challenge, and I don't know what I can do. But it's companies like this that give me hope. That are really focused on people in a different way, other than just how many shingles did you install this month or this week or whatever. And so that inspires me once again. But you know, I I think there is gonna that is gonna happen. People are gonna get better, and uh, they're gonna try again, and you're gonna see the results of that, and not just in their professional advancement, but growth where you you know where people
2: can really find a sense of of community and hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reggie, like, I'm super excited about you doing this. I mm-hmm. I know there's a big step for you going going out, but I can't think of another person. I would want to be a mentor or coach of mine. You know, yeah. just you're when so does easy this to talk air? to. When does this air? That's a good question. Uh
1: not it'll be <laughs> air before March. It'll air before March. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Too yeah. early. <laughs> Damn. So you know, it's interesting.
2: I we think We could cut a snippet out. No, you could do okay. it and make you
3: save it. <laughs> it's okay. Now that the cat's out, you know, there is going to be a change in my career in the next, uh, it's the, around the 10th of the month, but let's just keep that to this podcast.
4: Mm. Breaking news here at the yeah. podcast. It sounds
3: like we got to do a part two. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, everybody that knows me kind of senses this, and, you know, it's uh, – you know, nobody's surprised by this more than you know even I am, but I think that there's a place that I fit in being able to f- declare this out and to help people kind of focus on this and um I'm gonna spend the rest of my life doing that yeah, I love it I mean, even in our
1: fifteen minute conversation we had at s r c summit, you know mm-hmm. you had talked about i guess like the byproducts or the ill the ill the negative effects internally of of not caring or paying attention to personal development and we were talking about like resentment right and I was thinking about it and I'm like god damn it Reggie you got me thinking I'm in my hotel room and I'm thinking about all the little pieces of resentment I'm holding on to and for what reason am I holding on and you were talking about like you know how that it, I mean it eats at you right yeah. Like that weighs on you in a, in a very meaningful way whether it's consciously or subconsciously so I mean I made a call in the next 24 hours to somebody
3: right You made an impact on me. So what did it do for you? made me feel better. Right. Well, and to feel better (laughs) is, so so here's what I think. All of us have these spots inside of us that we just leave unresolved. That's the issue. The issue is not, am I resentful? The issue is, am I going to resolve it? Because if I don't, it just continues and continues and grows and grows and grows. And it holds me back from reaching any kind of potential because I'm obsessed with it. I'm just like... There's stuff that happened to me 20, 30 years ago that I just seemed to hadn't let go of, and every day they walk with me to work, every day. And so, what I try to help people realize is, I'm not—I don't do counseling. I don't
4: do all of that. I'm but, being counseled right now, so yeah, <laughs> I feel like it too. I <laughs> love you, it. You just yes. can't—you
3: can't allow this thing to stay put because it leaves no room for you in your life to expand any other parts of your life. It's just unresolved. I call them cancers. I'm going to give you one story and then I'll, I'll probably sh- I'll shut up with this. this My is wife cool. is a pharmacist. And so John died, which all of you guys know, you know, I was talking about doing this podcast and I couldn't figure out a name for it. But it's, I talk about this kind of stuff, just like real world challenges, knock the breath out of you kind of situations. And so John says, I got a name for it. And I said, what's that? He said, live exposed. I'm like. To roofers? <laughs> J.D., they, I mean, they may take that literal. you got to wear a trench coat for yeah, that show. Yeah, I, I said, I'm, I, I don't know about that, but I said, I'm going to run it by a boss in my family, and that's my wife. And, again, she's a pharmacist, and I said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, and I'm thinking about naming it. I said, John has told me to name it, because if she said that's the dumbest thing I'd ever say, I'd say, I, I totally agree. It was John's idea. <laughs> Um, And I said, she said, what you want to call it? And I said, live exposed. And she said, huh. Um, She said, I said, what do you think about with that? And she said, live exposed. She said, I think about this. And again, she's a pharmacist. She says, I think about uh, bacteria that lives under the skin nobody sees, but how, if not dealt with, can kill you. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, there's bacteria (laughs) inside of you that goes unnoticed, and the only way it dies off is if there's a lance that's occurred and oxygen and light is brought to that spot. And I'm like, that's it for me. I spent my life hiding stuff because I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want to be judged or whatever. And when I started allowing that stuff to be revealed, so to speak, And I dealt with it. I resolved it. It went away. It left room in me for other things to come out of me that were purposeful in my life. Listen, whoever's listening to this, if you're holding stuff in, it's a cancer that doesn't go away until it's exposed to light or oxygen. Lance it or live with it. And so that's the kind of things that people don't feel comfortable doing. It's like, I can't talk about that. If I don't talk about it. It doesn't, you know, nobody will know it and I'll just deal with it. The fact of the matter is, it's like a cancer. It keeps growing and growing and growing. And one one day, it's going to reveal itself. Mm. And so, what I hope is that people can realize that they don't have to live like this forever. I'm not the guy that can, you know, I'm, again, I'm not a counselor. I'm not, there's people who, but what I am is a provoker. That's what I do. I speak and people are provoked. They go like, Like you said, like, Mm. what the heck was that? I'm like, okay, now you just need to, now you need to do something with it. And I'm going to hopefully have some tools available to help people do some things. But the fact of the matter is, in this scenario, I'm really called to speak that life. That's what I feel. And then it's going to provoke or not provoke. And when it provokes, you've got to take action on it or it never goes away. I picked up the phone and called somebody the other day. Well, why'd you do that? Because I got tired of being resentful to them. So what did that do to you? Well, it freed me up. I felt like mm-hmm. didn't. I don't know if it changed anybody else, but it changes you.
1: Yeah, and I'm selfish. That's all I care about. Yeah, right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, well, but even like you said, be, taking that aspect of provoking somebody is a really good thing because you know if you take that statistic of approximately fifty percent of people that are self admitted underachievers, and like what percentage of like that other fifty percent know that there's issues, or even the fifty percent that you know, is underachieving, how many of those people know why they feel the way that they feel? So,
2: yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Just to follow up, just to narrow it down a little bit is, are these issues that you're discussing, exposing, are these things that people know about of themselves? Yeah. Or is it something that's hidden from them? I I
1: would argue that it's probably the latter because like a lot of us shove these things deep down and don't deal with them. Right. Mm. I mean I, I don't want to speak That's why for I poop twice a day. But, well yeah. <laughs> Keeps me regular.
2: <laughs> it's a lot like that. <laughs> it's
1: a
3: lot like that.
1: But I know just in having conversations and I mean you know with
3: other people that I know that you know
1: the the cathartic behavior isn't something that's prevalent you're not talking to people about these deep emotions well some of
3: them you don't want to talk about i mean there's some of the things that are so private and so painful that even thinking about them again causes an adverse reaction This it screws our day up anymore i get that most people to answer your question i think know that they're there some of them they don't because maybe because there is scientific psychological proof My wife is a perfect example. There's some things that happened to her as a child, a young child, that she has blocked out. She's just blocked them out, right? And so to me, it's hard to be accountable for things you've been blocked out. Mm. But there are most of the time we know they're there. We just don't want to spend the energy or effort to deal with them. And maybe we've even tried to deal with them before, and it's been a mess. So we're just like, eh, I'm just going to move on. Let, Let me go back to something I said. Because there's three other provokers at this table. You guys provoke people, which creates the opportunities for you in life. And so to me, it's no different to me other than just the vein I'm in. I mean, I think that, you know, Matt talks. I, I mean, I'm like, I'm every time I hear you talk, I'm like, it. I feel at the same time very dumb, and then I feel educated <laughs> when you're finished, right? It's like, like oh, okay, well, that... That makes sense. That's a good one. And then then I listen to you, and Jason and I go like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. So I don't have to take the world of roofing and think everybody's the same. Now I have an example to follow. And when you speak, it, like, provokes me to want to literally get into roofing. I mean, selling roofs. I did want to be a roofer earlier today. Right. That
2: legitimately happened to me. (laughs) I may have submitted an application for employment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Matt. You start we talking. do background <laughs>
4: checks, Start, <sorry. laughs> Then <laughs> I hear Michael start
3: talking about marketing and all those other kinds, and it provokes me to want to do more of that. You see, I, to me, I just think what I'm gifted at is that being able to pierce between the bone and the marrow, so to speak, with the words that come out of my mouth that just cause people to be stirred, to be go like, maybe this is, because I have owners call me and go like, why are my people tapping out at a certain level why is it that they're and so they bring all these coaches in and i've got a bunch of good friends that coach good friends and they do a great job but here's the deal if i have limits personally i don't care who you bring in to polish up the outside of me i've got to make some changes inside of me Hmm. and that's dangerous territory it frightens most people so they just what they avoid avoid it and so to me I'm hoping that there will be a sense of bravery and courage just one more time when people hear me and they go like, okay, let me just try this one more time mm-hmm. to be able to absolutely make some changes that are warranted that will create the advancement that they're looking for. And so, and it, it just takes guts, man. I mean, it just takes guts. I had to I had to confess some things and reveal some things that were very uncomfortable for me. But I'm free from them now because I now have felt the the liberty that comes with divulging because my hidden i could go on all day so i'm gonna shut up but the secret lives that i and the things that i were hitting are hiding in my life eventually came out i can i tell you one more story no, please, know. Please, so, right? so my dad is most people know me is is a, he's an eight, he's 88 years old today pentecostal preacher i was raised in a preacher's Preachance. house and so I'll never forget this, never forget it, but it started a pattern in me. When I was in middle school, my dad would go before the year started and get a big old bag of change of quarters and dimes because it cost my sister and I 35 cents a day to eat lunch at school. And so she would take her 35 cents, I'd take my 35 cents. It's this huge bag of change. One day, Fat Reggie said, 35 cents ain't enough. I need an extra 50 cents, so I took 50 <laughs> extra cents from my dad's change bag. What's the big deal? 50 cents, who cares? What happened is a part of my growing up is I always saw my dad praying a lot, and I'd hear my dad praying a lot. Again, Pentecostals, they're loud. And so I would hear my dad mentioning my name more often than anybody else's because he knew that there's a lot more work that needed to be done than you know, I was the guy, right? And so... One day uh, I came home and we're all sitting down at the table just kind of like this except the rest of the table and um, we go, we'd go around the room and how was your day? How was your day? And this is me, my sister, and my mother, and my dad. And so he got to me this particular day and he said this, how was your day, son? And I got in about 15 seconds into it and he stopped me and he said, can I ask you a quick question? I'm like, yeah. He said, why did you take that extra 50 cents out of the chain bag this morning? Now, like most I immediately denied it. And then like a good brother, I blamed my sister. <laughs> and so I said, once we got through all of that and I admitted to it, he, I said, can I ask you a quick question? He said, sure. I said, how did you know? He said, son, now I don't know what y'all's take is and if you don't believe this, it's okay. It just happened to me. So he said, I was praying last night and the Lord spoke to me in my prayer and said, count the change. And I'm like, count the change but he said I counted the change I said well that explains one part of it As you know it was me <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> but if you counted it last night how would you know today he said oh that part I was on the way home and I, he said I think the Lord spoke to me and said count it again <laughs> so I got home and he said I counted it again and it was 50 cents short and he said I think the Lord also spoke to me it was you <laughs> I said no, that wasn't a huge deduction. I mean, that was <laughs> and this is what he said to me. He said, "Let me tell you something." Again, theologically, I'm not making an issue with anybody watching this. But here's what he said to me. He said, "Let me tell you something, son. Your sin will always find you out. Always." And what I believe is that whatever you want to call it, all the misgivings in life, the participations that you're in, you know, are not right. They're gonna surface. It just does. And so what I made a habit of is I thought, well, you know, I got a whipping for it. Back then they whipped, and, you know, and, but I was like it wasn't a consequence that I was too worried about. But I made a habit of it going forward to where it became a huge consequence in my marriage or it became a huge consequence as a parent because I just failed to see that when I didn't tell the truth, the cascading effect that had on everybody else's life, so the biggest reason that people need to not just self-adjust is there when that kind of stuff is revealed, it has an effect on people you love and call important to you that is very hard to fix. And so mm. what I tell folks is if you feel a twinge of something inside of you when I talk to you, just consider what that is and try to find a remedy for it, especially This is what I talked about at SRC. This is especially that hidden life. I'm going to promise you this. If you don't destroy the hidden life, that hidden life is going to destroy you. It's going to catch up to you, and it ain't worth it. I promise you. Okay, so if I'm a good Pentecostal, I'd take an offering right now. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back on that today. You probably counted too. <laughs> I have fifty cents. Yeah. Yeah, but I give my dad his fifty cents back. Even no, though it was back. short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I think that's where people live and I think being able to speak that to them and just kinda help bring correction to their life in some areas. I think and I I, I promise this is it. So the word mentor I hated because I thought it just was used by people who were arrogant. Like, I know more than you. That's not what the mentor means at all. Mentor means this. Experienced, trusted advisor. That's what it means. And I think people need people they can go to and take advice from them because of their experience. And I think that's where I'll fall in line. It's like, I've done a lot I've, in roofing. I've done a ton in life, good and bad. And let me just ask you this. If I can redeem your time, meaning you don't have to go through that valley of the shadow of death like I did, or I can say something to you that makes you go like, I- I'm not going to go down that road because he's already been there. Why would you not want to pay attention? Hmm. And so what I'm going to do is spend the rest of my days trying to speak my experience into people's lives and redeem their time, reduce their mistakes dramatically, and hopefully have a better, more productive life.
2: That's it. That's it. it.
5: That's yeah. it. Yeah. Huh?
2: That's, That's it. Do you think a coach is the same thing as a mentor? That's <laughs> a good question.
3: And I don't I think that they function somewhat in the same ways, but here's the way I describe a coach. They're more tactical, you know, they're and they're very specialized. Most of these guys are. I mean, like they're sales coaches and have I work with I mean all I mean a lot of them are good friends. They're marketing coaches. You know, I mean they're all different, but they're very specialized to me. To me, mentoring exceeds or goes past just a specific task or a job, and it deals with the whole side of living, you know, with a person's life and how developing their personal side creates more opportunity for them and their professional side. I think my role will be more of a strategic life role as opposed to just a specific game that they can produce by bringing a coach in. And I think coaches are important. Trust me, and I think I'm going to be dealing with mentoring and coaching, and there will be somebody else doing the coaching. Um, But I think they work together if done right. But I think that they do offer separate kind of opportunities for, you know, think about the coaches you know. I mean, they're probably pretty specific in what they do, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I think you're right about that. And so I wanna have a bigger broad view and go in and like... And this is also different from a consultant. Exactly. Yeah.
3: This is more personal to me. And again, that's the only way I know how to describe it is like than just X's and O's. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with X's and O's. But it's just like I want to get where you live. Right. And if I can get where you live and I can help you clean that up, then when you bring a coach in, you're going to have people better prepared to actually. Attack the strategies they're putting in place for you because you're going to have less on your plate, so to speak, that's keeping you from performing. Mm. Uh huh. <laughs> that movie. was a lot. That a lot. I know. My Love bad, it, man. You made the mistake. You
5: asked. <laughs> that was great. Did, did you ask? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad you, t- you, you went through all that, I man. Today's been a very interesting day for me. I was not expecting today at all. N- nor was I. Yeah. That makes three of us. Yeah. How about you, Jason? Uh, what you were your expector.
1: expectations coming into today? day?
4: Uh, my <laughs> mine are always connections, uh, always right. helping somebody, you know, like being that there was other contractors coming and what thought that was a great opportunity to uh to speed their uh, process up so they don't have to go through some of the pain that i had to go through yeah i'm getting rid of some of that right now <laughs> but uh no it's that's what i expected but uh you know usually anytime you challenge yourself you come out with something way better so yeah. uh, i feel like i got that today well,
3: thank you for having us yeah and this has been great i always love hanging out with these two and patrick and his team but uh, you know Thank you for opening uh, open up your doors and letting us in because this again was very inspirational for me, and encouraging for these guys watching. I guarantee you. Yeah, no yeah. doubt.
2: I really appreciate it as well. Yeah, it, it was something something special there, bro. Yeah, yeah thank
4: yeah. you. I love having you guys come and to do it again. I, I like uh, the opportunity to, to uh, you know I think um, Dimitri's done a good job of, of showcasing the guys that are um, doing it right. You know, a lot of roofers that are really trying to do it right, and so. Um, if we can bring you in and show you what we're doing and maybe we can broadcast yeah. that to the world, that they know that there's hope out there. Because I felt like for a long time before we had this platform, you know, the guys doing the right thing maybe didn't have a platform. Yeah. It was always the guys that were taking advantage of people that had the platform. Mm. And so I think you're seeing a shift in that and you're seeing people that's that good. are coming to the top that are doing it right. Yeah. You know, like in, they're able to, to share their story.
1: Heck yeah, man. Well, uh, I think that's about We've, we've said all the it's things. A, it's, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. <laughs>